98% of non-established writers, if they move mountains to get their script into the marketplace, 98% of the time people stop reading after one or two scenes. I think why most scripts get rejected after the first scene is really because by the first page you can tell if someone is a good writer or not. You know, I had people say there's just not enough conflict. It needs more conflict. And I, in my early days, thought conflict meant like people arguing or fighting or car chases or something. Like, I didn't really know what that meant exactly. And so I didn't write scripts and I didn't love movies that were all about people constantly arguing or fighting or car chasing, right? So I thought I was writing something that was the kind of stuff I would like. But a third party reading it said, you know, you did some good things here. I just felt it needed more conflict. I didn't really know what they meant. I've been teaching at UCLA since 2007. I have brought in countless executives, producers, agents, managers. I always ask these people, the gatekeepers, when you get a script from a writer that's not a current client and not an established writer, a new writer, how long do you read to then decide if you're gonna keep reading? And they always say one or two scenes. I have heard people say the first 10 pages, they were in a good mood, but it's usually one or two scenes. I ask those people, what percentage of the time do you keep reading? And I have heard um, 1%, 2%, far less than 1%. And it probably averages out to about 1%, but I tried to be a little more optimistic and I made it 2%. So when I say 98% of non-established writers if they move mountains to get their script into the marketplace, 98% of the time people stop reading after one or two scenes. That is solely based on what all of these producers, agents, and managers, and what my experience was many years ago as a reader. Common wisdom was you got to hook an audience, a reader, in the first 10 pages of your screenplay. Okay? You got to hook them by the first 10 pages. And I've always felt that there's no reason why you can't hook them on the first page. But I've never read a script where that first page was bad, I think it was bad, and then the rest is actually really great. As a writer, your job is to write scripts that total strangers will read and fall so in love with that they're willing to go to their boss and go to bat for you. Does it have a natural flow? Does it make me want to turn the pages? I was just going to read the opening scene and go to bed, and I'm like, I'm reading it like, what is going on? I had to keep going to the next page. Actually, that script taught me a lot about writing, about how to uh, really make an impact with each word and sentence. Here's what I would say. If I read a, a, a scene of a script and it doesn't absolutely make me want to read the next scene, I know this writer is not going to be successful script-wide. It's not going to get better. If you, if you, your first scene is like your interviews. If, if someone goes to a job interview for a job they really want, they're late, they're disheveled, they reek of alcohol. They're doing inappropriate jokes. They're just doing everything wrong, right? You're interviewing this person, you're like, okay, this is this person on their best behavior. <laughs> what are they gonna be like on a bad day? If it's not going to carry you through, then there's usually not a strong enough reason to continue reading. Even if there's a great story underneath it, there's just too much else out there that is a good story and has the writing to back it up. So it's not that there's not something great in there, it's just that that script is not at the level yet that 
it should be in order to move forward into a film. Let's say there's four scenes in act one. What has to happen in that last scene? What's the objective of that scene? And I get incredibly smart answers. You know, it's the point of no return. It's the first crisis. It's the, it's the first subplot. It's the reverse. I mean, I get all these really smart answers. They're all wrong, but they're really smart. The answer is the fourth scene, what it must do is get total strangers to have to read the fifth scene. And the fifth scene has to get people to read the sixth. It's true of every scene. Every scene has to compel someone to read the next scene. And so that first scene has to get someone to read the second scene. Think about the first scene as a first date. You're not getting married on that date. They're not buying your script. The job of a first date is to get a second date. The job of a second date is to get a third date. Now, enough dates in a row, and then someone will be like, okay, like, I, I want to get in a relationship with you. That's the moment when they're like, I will read your whole script. There'll come a point where someone will become such a fan because they'll realize here's the concept, they know where this is going, and I'm, I think that's an awesome idea for a show or a movie, love these characters, and, and these scenes are structured so tightly and in such a compelling way, I'm starting to get confidence that this person knows how to structure. And at some point, you're like, I will read this to the end. And then when you get to the end, your job is for them to fall in love. And when they fall in love, that's when they will tell everyone about your script. It's like you're watching a TV show that you love and no one else is watching it. You're telling all your friends, oh, you gotta watch this show, you gotta watch this show. We do that with scripts. So that's your job. It's really about, it tends to be about human curiosity. A, can you come up with a puzzle? Can you come up with some interesting uh, image or some line of dialogue or something that is puzzling? It leaves a gap in our understanding and makes us wonder uh, uh, what the answer is. All you have to do is raise a question in the, in the reader's mind on the first page and then promise them an answer on page two. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll turn the page. You know, implicitly, you know, you'll get an answer. Uh, and then on page two, it, you get the answer, but then there's maybe a couple more, more questions raised. And then you wanna find out and you keep turning, and then once you're in there, you're hooked. The first 10 pages, it's all about achieving that bonding with the audience. And, and you know, people often talk about, you know, people put down a script in the first 10 pages if it's not grabbing them, and writers tend to think, oh, you grab them by having really exciting spectacle in the beginning with, with really high stakes, what action or entertainment value, which is always helpful, but to me the more important goal in those first 10 pages is to introduce your main character at some length and at some breadth and in some depth in such a way that the audience starts to see what the key things are that would make us care about them. What makes them a compelling, relatable person even before the main story problem has kicked in? What makes us just kind of want to follow them? You know, I mean, Save the Cat says they save a cat, which makes us like them because they do something self-sacrificing and helpful. That's a sort of semi-joke, uh, you know, premise, I think, that Blake Snyder came with, just have your character save a cat. But I think what he was really getting at was a really vital thing that writers tend to sometimes bypass or not understand, which is give us a reason to bond with that character before your story really kicks in. Um, so I probably failed in all those and other ways in my early scripts and maybe some later scripts that made people go, eh, needs more conflict.
We have to have a setup. It can be very brief or a character can be on the move, so to speak, action-wise. They can have just arrived in a town and we see them going or they're going to a meeting or going to meet with a hitman or whatever it might be. But nonetheless, it has to convey this is who this character has been for some time and it has to create empathy. We'll find out what happened prior to that, but the big, the first big event that's gonna to happen to him doesn't happen on page one. We first have to get acquainted and identify or empathize with this character. And that empathy must occur immediately. We have to empathize before we start seeing what the flaws to the character are, before we start recognizing what this inner conflict is or what this identity is or what dark places they might go. First, we have to just connect with them emotionally. I think for me, one of the keys to real characters is specificity. I think that people are incredibly idiosyncratic with the way that they move through the world. Everyone has their little ticks and their things and their preferences. And so the more of those you can throw into a script, uh, onto a character, is gonna make that character feel real. So whenever I see that in a script, I think that's a real person because I don't know anyone like that. And that's a specific thing that a specific person would do. That's this specific person. And now I'm gonna watch them through the rest of the story. And if those specificities fit into a larger theme that the film or show is exploring, then even better. For me, it's like there's three three things that you do that I, that you do is is make us make us feel sorry for that character. So they, there's little moments where you can you can create a moment in the story where a character is unjustly abused or uh, unjustly mistreated or insulted or uh, betrayed or neglected, and so it, it it could be any character. Um, and if that moment is there, you're gonna feel sorry for that character. At that moment, it takes an instant. So that's one. If you show that they're like us, if you show their humanity, for example, you show that they care about something other than themselves, that's another technique. So uh, there's a moment in um, the movie um, Leon the Professional, which is about a, a, a hitman, right? And it opens with him doing a hit and he kills people. You don't know if he's good or bad, but he goes home and he takes care of a plant, right? And that right away you say, oh, wow, he cares about a plant. So he's, he's okay, he's human. The other uh, part uh, is uh, admiration. So this is like any, any kind of, you know, if you're dating somebody or you're trying to find somebody who's a good match for you, there's that list of, list of things that you like in a person that's admir admirable traits. So if somebody who's funny, who's responsible, who's courageous, there's a whole list of things you can add to a character to make us say, oh, well, you know, I admire this. Usually they're like the best at what they do. They're like the best, you know, the best ad executive or the best agent or the best cop or the best driver. But if you do these three things, and I, so when I show clips of the, um, of the moment you meet the character, and it's usually like a three minute scene, you can see all these things being applied in like three minutes. There's like, you know, the, the opening of Wally -E after he's done with the garbage and he comes to his, to his little house, it's a three minute scene and there's about 20 of these techniques done. This is how you connect with that character in one scene emotionally. Ideally, you have given the audience a reason to 
side with that protagonist, which a lot of movies and scripts leave out completely, which is amazing to me because it's one of the main ingredients. Why would I, as an audience, care if that character sees his father before he dies? You know, There must be something that shows me a humanity inside of that character. And it can be a bad, bad ma mafia, serial killer, whatever guy, but something that I can relate to where we share uh, our humanity in that moment so that he becomes the vehicle for me to discover things about myself in the end. I think that's the secret that every audience, it's a very, I, that's a very selfish process. I think every audience really comes to the theater to learn something about themselves and not about Oklahoma or space or whatever, but about their emotions in that moment. But that only works if you can create a connection between the protagonist and the audience early on. So that would probably be the formula I'm looking for. Is there a connection? Is there a clear want which leads to the dramatic question, which is will this protagonist successfully save the love of his life, whatever, whatever. And to me, conflict is synonymous with problem. So it's not that your character has to always be in, in obvious conflict with other people and expressing and fighting all the time or arguing. It's that they have to be in conflict with their situation, meaning they have to have problems. Whenever your character doesn't have a problem and isn't actively even struggling against or trying to resolve a problem, the audience tends to check out a bit, right? So that usually does lead to conflicts with other characters trying to solve a problem in life generally leads to some interpersonal conflict because a lot of the problems that are big enough for a movie that we want to solve or big enough for a TV show are problems that involve relations and interactions with other people. So there will be conflict, but it's not that limited version of what I thought conflict meant when I got that critique. So the problem not being punishing enough, which is like the letter P, the first one in the, you know, in the word problem in my book, was probably the first thing that I grappled with in my own stuff of people saying it's just not enough conflict, meaning it's not a big enough problem. It's maybe not a life-altering enough problem, which is the L word, which is about the level of the stakes of the problem. Why does it matter that they solve this problem? Why does the audience care whether they solve it or not? Is it big enough and is it relatable enough, which is the R word, where the audience is starting to feel like it's our problem too. We are standing in the shoes of this character as they try to solve this problem and we feel something about it. We want it to be solved because it's kind of like it's us now. That emotional engagement with the character is like a really key thing we're trying to achieve as writers that is not easy to achieve and sometimes writers don't realize the things necessary to kind of achieve that, which is a lot of the kind of relatable stuff. So my first critique of something not punishing enough was probably also wasn't big enough stakes. Why do people relate to this character? Because you didn't find that sort of universal hook that pulled people in. Um, the character didn't have those elements that make the audience just start to feel like I'm bonded with them, which is such a key part. For me, like the beginning of any screenplay, what Save the Cat calls the setup section, I think, the first 10 pages, it's all about achieving that bonding with the audience. If you're having story problems, all roads lead to the hero's outer motivation. Because one of the biggest issues, one of the most difficult things for writers to really embrace is, the, is this idea that at the very foundation of any story is a visible goal 
that the hero wants to cross at the end of the story. They'll get so caught up in the inner journey, in the depth or dimension of the character, or in the themes they want to deliver, or they'll just think the premise is good so they get lost in a thicket of events and plotting until finally they're just coming up with new ideas and adding idea after idea and it becomes so complicated and so confusing that there's no story there. If you think about it, most Hollywood movies in particular are based on very simple story ideas. Even if you take a story that you think is fairly complex like um, Inception, Okay, that seems pretty complicated. I had a little trouble grasping some of that, but it's very core, it's very simple. A group of people wants to penetrate a person's dreams down to a layer where they can change his behavior without him knowing it. And that's it. I was able to say that in what, five seconds and one sentence. And that everything is built on that goal. And if you have that kind of clear through line, and if when you say what that goal is, everybody gets the same image of what achieving that goal is, then you've laid a foundation that most scripts don't honestly have. And it's, it's odd because it sounds simple. It is simple, but it's not easy. Because I think for those of us who write, or for storytellers, we so want to get into character. We so want to get into deeper levels of meaning. We so want it to be original and different and complex and special that we lose sight of, first I've got to have this very simple through line. So that's the number one thing. The, one of the biggest problem in stages one and two is it doesn't lead to a clear, visible finish line that anyone can envision, whether they're reading the script or, or, or watching the movie, they know what they're rooting for. Sometimes writers confuse like internal character arc with external problem and great stories generally have both, but the external problem is kind of the part that people really want to know about when they are assessing your idea. It's like the external problem has to be really solid. The internal arc is a little more optional, but you've got to have that big external problem typically in a commercial type project. And so that's what I'm talking about more than the internal, what the character needs to learn and how they need to grow stuff, which is, the arc or the theme or the flaw, you know, that kind of stuff. Sometimes we writers tend to focus a lot on that and make that drive all of our efforts. And what I've learned is it's, it tends to be better to let that stuff stay a little flexible until you've gotten the sort of external problem worked out and even kind of structured out a bit because sometimes your sense of what the theme is or what the character's growth should be will change and shift once you've really explored the external problem, the external challenge that they're you know, every scene is typically about them grappling with and trying to resolve. Jumping from the setup right to the outer motivation. In other words, I think because screenwriters are inundated with the idea that you gotta grab the reader right away and you gotta get things going and Hollywood movies move fast and so on. <clears throat> All of that is true, but it doesn't mean you rush the story. What it means is you start building in conflict as soon as you can but you don't rush the story. It's gonna take all of act one to get your hero to the point where they really begin pursuing that visible finish line. And if you start at page 10 with them pursuing the goal, your, your script is gonna die around page 70 because you can't sustain a single goal that long. So you've gotta take the whole stage one and stage two 
just to build up, to create the opportunity in the new situation, to get them oriented, to build up to the point where they have the goal and then they take that first step. But I think that most of the weaknesses in a narrative when it can't hold your, your attention, that is because it doesn't adhere to a certain narrative structure, if it be three-act structure, a five-act structure, whatever it is, that is ingrained in us as human beings, you know. So I work a lot with like, question marks, for example, like at what, at what moment, at this moment in the script, what are the question marks that I as an audience am burning to have answered that make me turn the page? Why am I interested in continuing this? And a lot of time you'll realize there is no question mark that people are just having coffee right now and you know it's a problem and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier which is conflict and stakes because drama is conflict and stakes that also means that you don't know what the outcome of something will be so there is a kind of internal magnetism and a structure from moment to moment that I think you have a it's very easy to get a good feeling for that and to not be distracted by I'm always after the moments that don't live up to their full potential in what they are trying to do. And that's a very abstract thing. That's, it doesn't matter if that happens on a boat or in space or on a whatever. It's, you know, it's always the why should the audience be at the edge, on the edge of their seat right now? What are they wondering about? What do they want to find out? Why do they care? What do they identify with? Those things. You know? So it's almost a mathematical structure which helps me a lot because it is basically more or less the start, the same starting point for almost every script, which of course a lot of writers hate because they go like, but my script is different from that and that script. It is different in subject matter and in content, but in the underlying audience expectation and the rhythm that an audience has in consuming a story, it's not different. It's, it's, me, it's met with the same expectations. So you have to see it through that lens to know how an audience is going to react to it, I think. The only way to reach your full potential as a creative person, well, this would be true of anyone, but let's stay focused with writers. The only way to reach your true potential is to express who you really are through your writing, to be completely authentic and, and know that people will reject that and, and be okay with that. You have to be willing to be rejected to be authentic. And I know because I spent a decade as a studio writer um, never being authentic in my writing. And I wouldn't take any script that was close to who I was. And my agent was repeatedly saying, like, you need to spec something from your heart. And I would never do that because I was so terrified of being rejected. I knew at least if I wrote a script that wasn't me, I didn't put myself into it. If it got rejected, then my skill set, my talent was being rejected. And that was terrifying to me. But at least I wasn't being rejected. I, if I was authentic in my writing, as I, as I knew I should be, and I was rejected, that was just too terrifying. So, you know, this is film courage. Uh, courage is so important. And um, I lacked it as a writer. And that's part of why I teach, because um, I really want to do what I can to help inspire other people to not make that mistake. When you are your authentic self, you're going to have detractors and then you're going to have people that are going to fall in love. And that's all you need is one person to fall in love and then it can change your life. All it needs is one person to say, I'm making this. This is important and I'm doing it. So 
film courage, writer courage is have the courage to don't feel protected by the rules and paradigms. Find what you're trying to say. Create authentic characters. Find the concept and go for it. And just write it completely not worrying about being rejected. And there will be people who will reject the script. But then people are going to see who you really are and what your voice truly is. And there are going to be people who love it. And that's how someone launches a career in the current marketplace.